Good morning, everybody. All right, well, we have quite a few kids who are in here this morning, so I want to see from you kids who are in here, how many of you guys got to see fireworks yesterday? Any of you get to see fireworks? Well, here's what was weird. So I was in my neighborhood yesterday, and uh, well, first I went and saw fireworks, like you normally do, right? But how many of you had people in your neighborhood who thought that's the place to set off the fireworks, right? (laughs) I'm not even kidding. There was one in our street that I think the sparks hit four different houses at the same time. It was the craziest thing. So I'm so glad I'm still here with you guys this morning. So <laughs> so glad I'm still here with you. Well, um, like Thomas said, my name is Nathan, and I have the privilege of working with middle school and high school students here at Covenant. I see some of you here, so hello. Um, and I am so, so glad to be with you this morning. Um, I really feel like God's just, I don't know, it's been a great morning. It's been cool to see God move. So, um, For those of you who are new, or those of you who haven't been here in a while, we have been going through the book of James this summer. And the book of James is one of those that we've come to find is not always the easiest to swallow. That James sometimes says some things that are just really kind of difficult, like kind of counterintuitive or counter to our culture that we're expected to do. And basically what James says through the whole book is because of this, now this. Because we are Christians and followers of Christ, that changes our lives. And now there is something different that's supposed to happen because of it. But for some reason, there's a little disconnect there. That even though we're this, we don't always do this. And so James is going through being like, hey, this is, if this is really happening, if this is real, then this will follow. And so we're going to look at another passage of Scripture today in James that is saying the same exact thing. That because of this, now this. So, if you have a Bible, um, we are going to be in James chapter 3, and we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 12. It'll be on the screen as well, but I love a good old handheld version, um, if you can. All right. James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers. Because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and it itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Please pray with me. Lord God, we are thankful for this morning, God. We are thankful for the beauty of it and that you brought us here today. God, I pray as we are here in this place, God, you would show us what it is that you want us to see. That, God, you'd open our ears to hear you, our eyes to see you, and that, God, um, 
uh, the words that I speak this morning would not be mine, but they'd be yours, and that, God, ultimately, we would just experience what you want us to experience this morning and learn what you want us to learn. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right. Well, uh, good morning. It's so good to be here. So, um, I have read this passage a couple times. And what's funny about this passage is, and I think the whole Bible, is that God kind of does this thing that depending on what we need to hear in our season of life, he shows it to us. So over the course of my life, when I've read this, it's kind of stood, it's different things have stood out to me. And so um, I remember when I was a little bit younger, one of the first things that stood out to me when I read this passage was, I need to come up with different words for when I stub my toe. Like, that's, that's what it's talking about. Like, I, I got to quit that. Uh, there's been other times in my life where I've read this passage and thought to myself, like, I really need to f- learn how to speak nicer about people, just like as a general thing. That would be really good. And uh, it's, it's just really interesting to me how God points out different things. And so today, I just really wanted to just share with you what I think God kind of showed me this last time I read this, just something that stood out to me and that I'm excited about. And what I saw is basically this idea that James is saying that our words, that our communication, that our language is what can drive us one direction or another. That it actually steers our whole heart and our whole self. And he uses, I love, this this verse is full of the imagery, and I love that because it's much easier to understand. So he talks about the bits that you put in a horse, and I never thought about that, but that's true. It's just one small piece of metal, and you can get a thousand-pound horse to go in different directions. Or like a boat. It can be a huge boat, and it's still a fairly small rudder that gets the whole thing to change direction. And that's the part that's really me and I've thought about, is, does, is that true? Is our language really a thing that can have that much determinant on our life? Is that really something that can change our heart course that much? And I don't think that James was saying that um, only our language guides us, but I do think he was saying that this has a bigger impact on us than we might be aware of, that our language might have more to do with some things in our heart than we even understand. And so uh, I'm someone who likes to challenge things, so of course I was like, okay, well, let me think about it. Is this really true? And um, I thought of a couple examples in my life where I really have seen language guiding my heart a little bit lately, where I have really seen it have a big impact. And uh, one of those ways is, um, I don't know if y'all know this, I'm getting married in two months. It's super exciting. She's right there, and it's super, I'm really excited. And uh, you know, the funny thing is about, uh, about getting married is the, the engagement part, man, what a whirlwind. And you get, all these people are excited for you, and you're excited. Um, and then I learned about a thing called wedding details. And it changed a little bit of my heart towards it in some ways. And, um, <laughs> and I'm still excited, and it's going to be good. But uh, the thing that I realized is it's so easy to forget the excitement. It was so easy to forget the joy because all these other things build up, the to-do lists and all these other things. I mean, we, we have camp two times this week or two times this summer and all kinds of busyness, and it kind of builds up, and I kind of forget not just about the excitement, but part of the story and what God has done in it. Now, what's fun is that people keep asking us about the wedding. It's really like people come up to us like, okay, tell me about the wedding. What are you guys doing? And what I have found is in telling the story again, telling what we're doing for our wedding and talking about how we met in our marriage something builds up in me again. That I remember how faithful God was to even make this happen in the first place. Like, I am still blown away that it's it's happening. I'm like, how is this crazy? Um, But it's so good. And what I find is I'm, I'm sharing this story. I'm sharing how God's been at work. And this hope and this excitement builds back up in me. It's almost like by describing it, by using that language, it's kind of changing my heart a little bit, putting it back on course in some ways. Uh, some of you know this, but uh, uh, how many weeks ago? Two weeks now. Was it two weeks ago now? 
Eh, something like that. We went on a middle school mission trip to Oklahoma City. Um, I know Emma's here. Do we have any other Oklahoma City mission trip kids? Emma, Victoria, rocked it. Okay, you guys represent today. Um, uh, so we went to Oklahoma City, and I'll tell a story about that in a little bit, but we went to Oklahoma City, and it was an incredible, incredible experience. God did far more than I even expected him to, and like God does, but um, he did a lot, and it was a really cool thing. But we come back from the mission trip, and again, big old to-do list, things way up. It's really easy to get distracted, and I find myself, kind of that goes away. It just kind of drifts apart for me. Um, but again, what's fun is people have been asking about the trip, and it's been these, it has been these, there have been these opportunities to talk about how amazing that trip was. And as I describe it, and as I describe the way that God was at work, again, I'm reminded of how incredible it was and the things that God did. And again, I find my heart steered just a little bit back towards what I think it's supposed to be on. And um, I, actually, I think we've heard a lot about this. It's been proven that this is actually a fact that this changes our hearts because um, there's been research done on the fact that the more thankful we are, and the more we talk about what we're thankful for and the more that we show gratitude, that they've actually proven that, that increases happiness, that increases joy. And so I really do think this is true. There's something about our language that can determine the direction of our heart, whether that's towards God or away from God. Unfortunately, it's not just positive things that this works for. I think this also works in the negative. And I know, at least for myself, that I can easily get on tracks where I find myself talking about just the negative again and again and again. And it's not long before my heart starts to turn that direction. And so I can wake up and it can be a beautiful day and everything can be going right and I'm excited for the day. And then I think of that one thing that's making me anxious. And there may be like a hundred great things to focus on that day and a hundred great ways that God's at work, but I somehow just focus on that one anxiety-ridden thing. And what's interesting is, I, I, for whatever reason, I think that if I tell people about it, it's going to make it go away. So I go to this person, I'm like, hey, this thing's really making me anxious, blah, blah, blah. And I go, well, then it works. So I'll go to a new person and tell them what's anxious. And something else I've learned is I don't think this is just the language we use to other people. I think this has to do with the language we use to ourselves. And so what I also find about anxiety is it's something that just keeps running through my brain. So, you know, it pops up in your mind, and you're like, well, I'm going to push that away, but then it pops up again, and you push it away, and it pops up again, and you kind of dwell on it. I think the same thing works for frustrations. I know that happens with me a lot, that if I get frustrated, it's really easy for me just to focus on that one frustration, and I talk about it, and I talk about it. Again, 100 great things going really well, but I'm frustrated, so I talk about it, and I talk about it. And what that ultimately does at the end of the day is I look back and realize that I have driven myself into this really negative place. That at the end of the day, I look back, and I'm not entirely sure where God was in the day. I don't actually come to think of it, yeah, I wasn't praying much today. That was probably part of it. And you just kind of realize, like, man, maybe this, this does have an impact. And I think James knew that. I think, I mean, this is not a hope-filled scripture. Like, he's basically like, all, there's no hope. It's all lost. I mean, he really, it's this really harsh verse, but I think that's because he understands how powerful our language really is, that he's come to understand that this is way bigger than we give it credit for, that this can really alter a lot of things. And not only that, we are already predisposed, I did this again in the last service, predisposed towards negativity. And to believe that all you have to do is look around at the world, that we live in this broken and 
hurting and painful place a lot of times. That when we watch the news, um, a lot of time it's not positive things. Every now and then you'll get like a seal was born at the zoo. That's great. And stuff like that. But a lot of times it's uh, the economy's down or we're at war or um, just any political thing. You don't really walk away from the news with these happy-go-lucky thoughts. A lot of the times it's negative. And I started to research this and wondered, um, you know, has that even been proven? And sure enough, in our English language, 62% of our words that we use for emotion, the ones that we have at our disposal, 62% are negative. It's only the remaining ones that are positive. So even if we were just to use our natural language, the the chances are it's going to be more negative than positive. And so we live in this place that it's so easy to fall into that. And I think you feel that with me, that it's so easy to find ourselves in these negative places. It's so easy to forget the things that God has done. It's so easy to forget the hope that we have. And it's so easy to be lost once again. The reason that this matters so much is because we are no longer those people. That James is all about the fact that now, now this, well, if this, then this. And so... We are now a people of hope. Because we have Christ, we have hope. Because we have Christ, we now know that our Father not only loves us, but delights in us, that he will do anything for us, that he is after us and pursuing us, and that he is going to provide everything that we possibly need, that our God is faithful. We are those people of hope now. We are those people who can really believe in those things. The hard part, though, is if we are already predisposed to this negativity, if, we are, if our culture is kind of naturally bent on that, then we have to be really aware of the fact that in order to remember that we're this people of hope, in order to continue to live in this promise that we have in Christ, then we are going to have to change some things. And I don't think that means forgetting that there's negative things out there. I don't think that's at all. I think actually David in the Psalms gives us the perfect example of what we're supposed to do. And um, uh, David wrote uh, most of the Psalms, but a lot of them are either songs or they're poetry or they're things he just wrote down. And I want to read one of those to you today. It's Psalm 13. So listen to what he does here at the end of this Psalm. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. Listen to that last part one more time. But I will trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. I love what David's doing. He's being incredibly honest about where he's at. He's going to God and saying, God, it feels like you're very far away. Everything around me is crumbling. I feel like I'm about to die. Like I'm in this terrible place. But he doesn't leave it at that. He inserts hope into this. He reminds himself who God is. And he tells God, he's like, all of this is happening, but I'm going to remember that you're good. That even though I'm struggling, I'm going to remember that you've always provided for me. And I really believe that you're going to continue to do so. And he's not, he's not saying that the negative stuff's going away. He doesn't ha- he's, he's not acting like that's going to happen. But what he does is he lets the glory and goodness of God outweigh those negative things. He doesn't give more weight 
to the bad things going on or the struggles or the hurt. He is just saying that God has more weight, that God is better and greater than all these things going on. When we were in Oklahoma City, one of our biggest focuses on the week was looking and learning about homelessness. And um, to be honest, this was a really interesting trip for me. I did not know that much about homelessness before going on this trip, and so it really opened my eyes to some things. And while we were there in Oklahoma City, one of the missions that we worked with was called City Rescue Mission. Uh, Emily, you remember City Rescue Mission? Victoria? Okay, cool. cool. Um, and at City Rescue Mission, they provided services for families who were either on the street or near being on the street. And they provided, um, uh, uh, one of the things they provided was three meals a day. So breakfast, lunch, and dinner they would provide for people who needed it. And one of the opportunities we got was to go eat breakfast with some of their clients, some of the people who needed that breakfast that morning. And so uh, I went in not entirely sure what to expect. You know, you kind of put on the face like you know what to expect because you're with a bunch of kids and you need to lead them. But I, I didn't know what to expect. And um, uh, to be honest, the thing I found was what I least expected. Um, one of the tables I sat at was with a lady named Judy. And I sat with another student and a leader, and I met Judy. And I learned about Judy, and I learned that Judy has, you would assume no reason for hope. Judy's been on the streets for the last three months. She told me about how she used to own a company, but that fell apart. That she was doing all right, but then health things came into play. She lost insurance, and it just step by step, she found herself in the place that she least thought she'd end up. She told me she used to be the one handing out dollar bills out of her window to people on this, you know, corner with a sign. That she used to be that person. She never thought that she'd be that, other, you know, the role would be flipped. And it was this crazy thing to hear Judy. And I kept thinking about, man, like, how hard, how hard this must be. How sad she must be. But here's the funny thing about Judy. The whole time, surrounding all of this stuff that's going wrong in her life, she just talked about how faithful God was. Just over and over again, she's like, and God has been so faithful. She's like, I used to live in a house, but now that I'm living on the streets, I feel God's faithfulness more than I ever have in my whole life. She's like, my whole family has kind of left me, but he has surrounded me with a stronger family than I ever had before. It was this incredible thing to feel like of all people who deserve to be negative, who, of all people who deserve to talk about what their struggles are, it'd be Judy, but here she is talking about how faithful God was. At one point, she turned to uh, Amadeo, who was a student with us, and she said, do you know that God loves you? Do you know that he's caring for you? Like, not only was she, you know, not just focused on her negative stuff, she was talking about God's faithfulness, and then she was bringing it to us, saying, hey, did you know this? I mean, she was already just pouring it out. And I just felt the shift. I felt the shift from this place of, of anxiety to hope. And I could see it in her that even though she's struggling, it was kind of welling up in her. And as she shared it to me, it was welling up in me. And something I learned from Judy is that this isn't just about how language can guide our hearts or direct us or give us hope. This is about how it could also guide and direct and give hope to the people around us. What would it be like if we were many versions of Judy, just kind of sharing our struggles, but also sharing about all the times that God has been really faithful to us? And what I love, it's not about being inauthentic. It's not about, you know, people coming up to you and asking how things are going, and you're just, oh, they're fine, you know, even though you have a ton of stuff going on. It wasn't about that. It was about, here's everything I'm struggling with, but also here's how faithful God has been. It's a really, really cool thing. When I was in college, um, I had a, uh, a student uh, campus uh, 
oh gosh, I don't know what to call him, so, uh, basically a preacher. Um, and what he told us was that it's important to preach the gospel to yourself in the morning. And the reason he said that was important is because we do exist in this broken place. And for whatever reason, it's really a slippery slope for us to fall into these negative planes. It's really easy for us to end up in this place of anxiety or fear or doubt or numbness or just feeling distant from God, that it is really easy to slip into that place throughout the day. And what he said is if we started the day by remembering who we are in God, it could change everything. That if we woke up in the morning and reminded ourselves that we have a loving God who's looking out for us that whole day, we might fear a little less. That if we knew that God had a plan and we believed it and reminded ourselves of it, we might have a little less doubt that day. That if I remembered that God made me in his image and has created everything in me, I might have a little less insecurity. There's this incredible thought. And and as I was thinking about that, I was thinking about what would change if we did the same thing, that we preach the gospel to ourselves in the morning, but what if we also just inserted it into our language? What if in the way we talk to people, we looked for opportunities to include the gospel or even just include opportunities to share the cool things that God's done in the past that kind of reawaken that hope? thought about what would change if in those moments in the day that I faced insecurity, I countered it with reminding myself of the stories of who I am in Christ and the promises that are in his word about that. That if in the day when I was in a place of struggling, I reminded myself of all those times God has been faithful, because there's countless ones that I just countered it with that. And what if in those moments of fear of not having enough, Maybe not feeling like I have enough to give that day or feeling like um, I'm going to run out of something. That I just looked and remembered the fact that God has promised good to me. That he's always been providing. Y'all, I think James shows us that language is powerful. The words he uses are incredibly powerful. He's talking about fire. He's talking about the fact that language can destroy and it can burn up. But I think on the flip side of this is also the opportunity that language can be a powerful thing to use for hope. That language can be a powerful thing to move us and remind us of who God is. So my question for this today, and the question I want to leave us with, is does our language match our hope and faith? Does it reflect it? When we're telling stories of what's going, as we're telling stories of what's hard in our life, are we reminding ourselves of what also is good? As we're hearing people's stories about what's hard, are we also proclaiming the good news and the hope that we have in God? I think the more that that is a part of our language, the more our hearts are going to be turned towards God in that reminder. So, does our language reflect our hope? Please pray with me. Father God, we thank you for this day, Lord. God, I thank you that you are a God of hope, that God, we are no longer hopeless, but that because of you, God, we can have freedom. And because of you, we can learn what it means to have a relationship with God. Father, I pray that as we leave this place today, God, that you would really show us what you want us to hear in this, God. Where in our lives can we remember hope? Where in our lives can we remember your faithfulness? We love you and thank you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.